0: Welcome to Red Femme once again. This time we're discussing What the Fuck Happened to Left, Part Three. This mm. has got to be the conclusive episode. Yes. Last time, to recap, we discussed the disintegration of the UK left from the 2010s onwards and how that decline led to space for postmodern ideas to take hold. Yes, these are the show notes for anyone that reads them on Spotify. The ensuing existential crisis over dwindling numbers led to an unwillingness to challenge postmodern ideas as they gained popularity. The left began to liberalise as a reaction to its marginal status. So basically, the left just began (laughs) sort of, I'm not including any old idea, but that thing of worrying Mm. about your own organisations, just
1: continuity,
0: continuity, and that, you know, things had become so decimated by that point. You start to think well look if this popular idea is properly with young people and they won't be involved with us if we really take a position against this and help it you know make us more popular but also because the left were so bad in terms of sexual politics they didn't really see much wrong with transgenderism anyway
1: yeah i just think it's a general thoughtlessness really about anything to do with sex sexuality Um, the family, which is always a euphemism for women. Right. Um, Just a real thoughtlessness. It's kind of like an additional side issue. Who cares? Trans is the new gay. Yeah. We'll bring it on board.
0: And in fact, we're much more fond of it because it means gender conformity and heterosexuality.
1: And, like, it's so funny, the kind of almost, like, religious-style legalism that... I encountered in some communists about the finite messaging and language and um the kind of hair splitting about the very particulars of politics where it wasn't a embargo on cuba it's a blockade and we can't say the word embargo we have to say blockade for xyz reason or actually this particular internal um disagreement within the Communist Party in Russia in 1917. Yeah. This is the particular line we need to have on it. But when it comes to women, it's just, yeah, sure. Any- anything goes. That sounds great.
0: You can't support the USSR past 1924 in any way. You can't think that any of it was salvageable or maybe that China has some good ideas in terms of policy today. And that
1: was very much your experience in a Trotskyist organisation, I can right. say. Right,
0: but that, but that level of just... No, like, absolutely not. Like, the door is closed. The Cuban Revolution was not a real socialist revolution. How
1: how did people... Argue that? Well, how did you stay kind of in the logic of that and not become completely demoralised? And how did you keep your analysis kind of relevant and current if any socialist past 1924
0: (laughs) was wrong? I honestly was never attracted to the left on the basis of historical questions or things going on in the global south or really outside the uk it was that this organized group were particularly talented they intervened in struggles in this country particularly successfully um they seemed to have a, a, the right strategy i didn't really care about you know what we think about these things in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, whatever, Mm. and when they would kind of undermine the Cuban Revolution, I just sort of would listen with a slight bit of interest. But I would say that as I got older and more mature and I wanted to learn more about history and develop my ideas, that was when I became interested more in, you know, the last century of socialism, communism. But until that point, I mean, really, when I was involved with the socialist group we, we forget how young like 20 21 year olds are mm-hmm. my politics extended to like the car park of my university it was like who is it that's really helping me save the campus nursery who's really organized it's, it was the socialist workers party mm-hmm. and as much as for them you know, I would have theoretical conversations with people that would say, "Look, you know, anything that goes against the logic of capitalism, strikes, and so on, we should support things like understanding that a nursery is incredibly valuable on a university campus, even though it doesn't make money, so on, so on." It just seemed great, but I, uh, I, you know, I listened to these things, but I never, and I, you know, what, I did hear good challenges. So a friend of mine uh, at the time, I don't think he must be saying his name, James we were the main students for a while that were the main the left kind of leftover SWP students after other people graduated and we got union roles and whatever i remember him sort of really challenging the or the, the organizers saying the idea of the cuban revolution is not a working class revolution It's just crazy. He was like there was a general strike at the time. This was not just Che Guevara and Fidel and 80 guerrillas that were just incredibly violent and talented taking over an island. That would always be impossible. Why would that? Why do you even think that's viable? And the fact that there was a general strike in support of the revolution but it's it's just this absolutism of like, no, because there wasn't a winter palace that was marched into and they didn't have Soviets established. It's like, look, well, nothing happens twice in the same way. Stop trying to force it. And the
1: conditions weren't, weren't the weren't same. same. I mean, this is a country with the largest imperial power 50 miles
0: And it's an island. Away,
1: and it's an island. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that like Cuba didn't have elections for the first 10 years of the revolutionary process it wouldn't have survived right consider yeah the the largest imperial power that wanted to nuke it into oblivion was 50 miles away
0: i'm I'm surprised honestly that america didn't do that or didn't invade
1: well they did in the bay of pigs and just they just lost miserably right
0: this is just the strength and the resilience of the cuban people yeah um well people forget this it's like yeah you know it was Vietnamese teenagers and grandmothers and farmers who defeated the Americans and the French and in fact the Chinese yeah. all within a couple decades of one another in Vietnam because actually if there is a collective refusal or if there is collective action, that's it's done. And the idea that then you go, oh, but this isn't a democracy because they're not having useless liberal elections immediately after it's like i'm sorry but if you have the mass participation of people in society the vast majority this is a superior democracy
1: Mm. Uh, it's it's a it's an interesting that kind of trotskyite mindset is a very
0: interesting one to take but it goes to show that on these questions the left is absolute. It is In many no.
1: directions. But but yeah.
0: but this is much more should be a much more open question than what is a woman. I mean, that is absolute. That is yeah. finite. That is yeah. scientific. It is definite. And the idea that suddenly they became flimsy on this, I mean, look, it's just a testimony to their own opportunism and the fact that the left is so desperate in the global north because it's so not just maligned, it's it's just it's so uh It tries to punch above its weight. It's so small in number. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, I'll carry on reading the show notes. So the recap. Uh, The left began to liberalise as a reaction to its marginal status. It viewed transgenderism opportunistically as a social struggle to reignite a civil rights fight, quote unquote, that could make them relevant again. Because of the left's lack of genuinely emancipated sexual politics, at least in the global north, there still exists a strategic oversight that has ensured the left continues to lose credibility, namely that the working class is ever going to think men entering spaces with women and children is acceptable. This is also why the Labour Party will lose the next general election. And I will bet any amount of money with anybody that they lose. By taking on the ideology of the PMC, that's the professional managerial class, that's the dominant ideology of our times, of which gender identity is just one part, the left has consigned itself to being attractive to either individuals from middle classes playing rebel and using it as a career stepping stone, or oddballs who take part in politics to experience social contact. Yeah, that's what we said, yeah. yeah. Did you want to say something? You made a gesture. Oh, no, I just mean wrap up. I'm reading it. I'm reading the whole show notes. Okay. So that the people understand that this has been a three-part series. And this, I'm reading the second part. Okay. Okay, so they understand that the conversation's moved on. The so-called post-left and post-structuralist, sorry, post-socialist slip conclusions of American Marxists are increasingly shared by us here in the UK. Unless we revamp materialism and popularise structural analysis somehow against all odds, we'll only be left with nostalgia for better times where class struggle was once possible. So, (laughs) do we agree with Red Scare that we're now living in a post-socialism? And by that we mean where socialism has been foregone as a prospect in our part of the world
1: yeah I mean i, I it's difficult to say um I think a lot of what that, that that what we've talked about in terms of sexual politics is a big part of its demise um th- I think that pornography and the proliferation of pornography and this idea that men are entitled to have whatever kind of um orgasmic experience at any point, any space, which has led to transgenderism and prostitution and so on, has really put off women, which is obviously 51% of the population. But I just see any kind of, like everyone else, really, any kind of social democratic project of any kind, Bernie Sanders, Jeremy Corbyn, um, even even Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad, just completely thwarted, and um, perhaps there is some kind of future for a third party in the United States, um, or the UK, or the UK. But isn't the Lib Dems? Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, 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 don't know in terms of electoral but, wins, but I think when we look at young
0: people, it's very clear that they're deeply uninterested in the left. Well, my my um, understanding is it's okay. You can have a radical project, and people will try to thwart it from the outside. Our oh, inside happened with Corbyn. Um, look what happened to look for ramen in East London and the Tower Hamlet's first party that's called something else now even though he's back in office great it's it's. I believe we've moved to a point now where the left will sabotage itself
1: yeah and it does it does again and again and again and again
0: both with internal infighting because they really don't just see their eyes on the prize because the prize has been so out of reach for so long right I, I'm, roughly the prize is power at which point um, you then then enter all of this postmodern garbage and the left just becomes a circus. Like, the idea... It's embarrassing.
1: It's embarrassing to be associated.
0: Well, there was a... a the, the reader, I don't... The writer, sorry, from Spiked, I can't remember her name, but she was on BBC Question time yesterday, really articulated it where she said, how can we trust politicians mm-hmm. when they won't name reality with us I can't trust you about anything else. And she's right. This is kind of the basis of the basis of the basis. Like it's the same way that I find a lot of time I can have a better conversation with a conservative, um, whether American or based in the UK, because we will at least be on the same page. We'll have different conclusions and a a different analysis, but of the same things in that we will agree that what exists exists. And we'll agree on how it exists. So, The idea that people on the left no longer share a political map and it's certainly not a political map with the working class who are the revolutionary class in terms of class struggle, Mm. I don't see a prospect, unfortunately, of very much. Now, I spoke to people years ago and, you know, I remember they left the SWP before I even joined and they'd say that they were disaffected. They'd say, well, maybe climate change will make people really band together. But the problem with climate change is that, when things get increasingly worse, right, this thing of if the planet goes up to two degrees, it's almost certain it'll go to four. Mm. And once it's at four, it is inevitable it goes to six. Actually, things will be spiraling out of control at that point in in such another way that we'll be living in chaos, even if at that point everyone goes, okay, let's all be sensible now about the material world and that capitalism has ruined our natural world and so on and so on. 'll we'll be on um a train to nowhere an extinction at that point,
1: I think people think of the left and they just think of like almost a kind of Victorian morality where like why would I be around people or align myself politically with people who are just gonna scold me mm. for how I raise my children, for the food I eat, for who I have sex with, and how I have sex with them? Um, for
0: any basic amount of life choices. But what do you mean by that? You mean that they will scold you for not being into kink nowadays?
1: Yeah, or, like, um, whatever kind of weird racial thing that they input into everything. Like, your mm. like your sexual preferences have to reflect
0: you know, some kind of racial political ethic or as, something. As if women's vaginas are the UN.
1: Yeah. yeah. Quote, Anna
0: or the idea that... Even the stuff I see online... I mean, it's not so crazy... In the UK, left apart from the Gen Zs, but there is a kind of maybe we would call them old left now. The people around Corbyn, Navara Media, the RS21. I mean, I'm talking about like 16 people here, but you know, that group of older millennials—they're not the ones that are these these crazy young people on the internet that are like, if you go to a Chinese takeout, not just is it cultural appropriation or whatever, because that's yeah. the old line. It, it's you're taking up space in right. an area that's reserved for Chinese people. Mm. And it's this whole shift from material structures to spaces and bodies.
1: Yeah, they love spaces so and all bodies. All Judith
0: Butler wants to talk about nowadays. Well, everyone talks
1: about spaces and bodies. Spaces
0: and bodies. It's just
1: like every <laughs> single New York Times writer on Twitter is talks about spaces and bodies these days. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I think people think of the left and they think of being scolded for choices that they don't have a lot of control over, um, scolded for the clothing they wear, how they raise their children, who and how they're having sex with, whatever. And they think of losers. They think of people who like are unwashed, who have like funny colored hair, who don't know how to interact socially normally. And it's like, why would I want to be with the losers of society? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I wanna like be around people who are like well adjusted and have like nice families and um look like they take care of themselves? Like you're expecting me to join your team when you're like embarrassing to be around like when, I wouldn't yeah. want to be seen with you in public.
0: Yes, and you seem to have a dilapidated life.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yes. I I know what you mean, Uh, but I think what's interesting is if you look at the older millennial sort of old left, Corbyn, Navarre media, they're all incredibly traditional. They're all straight. Mm. They all get married. They get married in like Catholic churches. Nothing wrong with that, but stop pretending to be countercultural or trying to get other people to be countercultural if you're not. They all have pornified sex. I just, the amount of supposed socialist revolutionaries that I would see. And again, I'm, I'm against a lot of individualistic lifestyle bullshit. I get that it's a road to nowhere, but I was still very surprised to see how many of them got married and took the man's name. Yeah. Or they'd have a baby and the baby had the man's surname. Yeah. At least double barrel it. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, there's just no...
1: I think it's quite a fuck to just... As someone who's been around the left or Whatever around socialism, around socialists, just how anti feminist a lot of them are, they really are they're very anti feminist yeah
0: um they and they're not of, just indifferent, no they're no, anti. anti they're
1: anti so it's a it's a very you'd think that they're indifferent, but no, many of them are very against
0: well. Um, before sex positive stuff became really, really popular on the left here. mm. So from, I'd say, 2010s onwards, before all the people that you thought were sober-minded Marxists started saying, oh yeah, we're against the age of consent and this kind of thing. I presumed they were indifferent because it was absent. But then when it became a kind of ploy, or or basically you had to have, um, you had to have a take on transgenderism Uh, sort of from 2014 onwards, and they would call this feminist politics, like RS21 now, right? It stands for Revolutionary Socialism in the 21st century. This group that split from the SWP, again, I'm I'm talking about a very small tendency here, but they represent something um, in that they now say we're a socialist, feminist, anti-racist group. You now have to have the claim for feminism, which is really anti-feminism, which is your pro-prostitution, pro-porn and pro-transgenderism yeah. Before, none of this was really discussed and it was suspicion was cast upon you for wanting to discuss it mm. or making it part of any kind of politics. It's now, all of that should be promoted. Anti-women's politics is promoted on the left. And in fact, they see it as their kind of golden goose through which to recruit.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because it is, like we said kind of before, it's really sexy. It really gets people involved people feel like it's really relevant and it's this cult of the self because mm-hmm. all of it comes down to all those sexual politics. Individuals make individual choices and every choice an individual makes in a vacuum with no social context is liberating because it's about the self and everything is about the self and everything it's this really influenced from self-help culture, from New yeah. Age um, spirituality and of course postmodernism and
0: neoliberalism and
1: neo- well it's part of um, c- consumer identity yeah. basically you make choices as an individual apropos of nothing in the society in which you are not influenced by anything at all and every choice you make is liberating makes you feel good and you're kind of on this hero's journey. Um, away from oppression into liberation that is it's kind the of the American given.
0: dream. Yeah, it's, and very... it's the narrative of almost every Hollywood movie. And Thatcher
1: and everything, it's Thatcherism. It's like you're an individual and you can create your own reality
0: and pull it, your bootstraps self, up.
1: Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. It's 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 very it's the sexual politics of um
0: Reaganism.
1: Well, yeah, like really hyper individualism um and American Um, New Age, and it's really interesting, Stuart Parker made a really interesting point, he was like, a lot of the people in America who are reading Judith Butler, and Lacan, and Wittig, and all these people, grew up in evangelical Christian churches, where they were taught sola scriptura, so the Bible alone, we believe everything the Bible says, um, without influence of tradition or whatever, and it's the literal interpretation, and they carry this understanding of text to things like Judith Butler and also things about that are very popular in kind of American spiritual life. Like I'm going to be liberated. I'm going to die to myself and a new thing is going to emerge. All of these um, themes are very present in transgenderism and in the pro-prostitution narratives.
0: Judith Butler's interest in philosophy came from rabbinical Lessons, not to be rabbi. Sorry, maybe it's not kind of that, like the equivalent of, of Sunday school right. at her synagogue. Apparently, she was getting in trouble as a teenager, so her parents sent her off not just for Hebrew lessons, but for Torah lessons mm. and the lessons by the rabbi. It made her, you know, interested in the text of the Torah and then the philosophical questions around it. You can then see that there was preparation for thinking the text. Yeah, it was everything, and that life is a text, and nature is language. And these kind of bizarro claims that post really, really loopy post-structuralists make,
1: and that, like a lot of the post-structuralists didn't mean to be taken literally. Like when Vidig said, when Vidig said lesbians aren't women, she didn't mean yeah. literally. But but people who grew up in um, Christian American evangelical Christianity took that and said, oh, the text means what it means. Um and there's all these kind of pseudo-spiritualist themes. I think that's really why Britain has had a hard time with it taking off here quite as well as it has mm. in America and Canada, is you don't have that cultural infrastructure. You don't have that born again kind of um hyper individualistic thing to quite the same degree, which is I think describes a lot of the reason why you're about ten years behind and why it's so unpopular here.
0: Well, I have a good example for that, which is that Lacan says. Yeah that there's no such thing as a sexual relationship. Right. And what he means by that is that when you have sex with someone, what you're doing is so overdetermined by the social context, the social forces and your kind of internal object world mm-hmm. that you're not just having sex, you're having an encounter that is more than sex politically, personally, it has more significance than just sex. Now I agree and I think it's very interesting and but it's but it's what's really interesting is that the left didn't and post-structuralists didn't bother going. Oh, there's no such thing as sex then. Okay, let's stop having sex or let's get rid of porn. Right. They totally pick and choose about. Well, Wittig says lesbians aren't women. Let's run with that because actually that ideologically chimes with the rest of our society. Right. And the left has begun to chime with the rest of the status quo. This idea that. Oh, I'm sure you know if someone from Navarra Media Listener said, oh, "Oh, this idea that we have the sexual politics of Reaganism," it's like, "Well, you do." Yeah. Okay, you're not saying no to gay marriage, no to abortion, but what you are saying is, "Let's make everybody, let's make lesbians straight through transgenderism." Yeah, let's allow straight men into women's and girls' bathrooms. Still, the sexual right of men. Yeah, you're. It's just a slightly different variation of it. You're all still getting married. You're all still straight apart yeah. from like one, a couple gay guys.
1: And your sexual life doesn't exist within a social and political context that's determined, that 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 is, that, that and that is subject to ethics and morality. What determines your sexual life is what gets you off yeah. gives and gives you the most pleasure and removes the most restriction.
0: Yeah. The, like the market. Like
1: the market. <laughs> no, very much like the market.
0: But, but this is, um, that's something that I think is so interesting is that, It's so inward looking in that with this idea of, well, what choices you make determine. Yes, they do. The choices you make are meaningful, though I barely think anybody's making any rational choices. But this is just Marx and Freud. Right. Um, I don't think there's very much conscious choice always going on with people. I don't mean to be deterministic with that, but. The idea that for me, when I say that, that your choices are meaningful, I mean within the wider wider social context of mm. which they're made. Today, it is just that the choices I make are meaningful in relation to the construction of me. And I don't think about the wider yeah. context and the wider constraints, mainly. Yes. And always the left, because we were interested in structures and material and things that were outside the individual was always about what are the constraints how can we create you know say different forms of subjectivity or move forward in a revolutionary way or pushing against the constrictions and one of the most shocking things i find is that the left has fully gone down this road of la 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 there are no constraints or constrictions la 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 everything's about choice this is the same argument that neoliberals make yeah well you know those people in a sweatshop in bangladesh it's their choice to work yeah 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 Nine pence a day. If they don't want to, they can go sell their labour somewhere else. Yeah. As soon as it comes to women, Andrew Dworkin made this point, the left suddenly become the most vicious marketeers out there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: If that porn star didn't want to be having sex with 18 different men in a mass anal gangbang, she wouldn't. Yeah. She'd be making a different choice. Yeah, exactly. So no concern here, as long as it's not my... Daughter, mother, wife. Though the left today probably would say, yeah, fine, daughter, mother, wife, <laughs> you know? I don't think so. I think some of them. Maybe if they're getting off on it. Well, yes, exactly. Yeah. And the idea that now you can make capital through putting your girlfriend on OnlyFans. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. think the left, that'll be the next thing they they justify. They're at the door of justifying sex trafficking. I mean, people said, why is the left bothered about Andrew Tate? He's just doing what you all... Don't, yeah. you, just, don't yeah. you just think he's an entrepreneur? That was, that was Shay. Shay said that. Yeah. Don't you all just think that he's an entrepreneur that should just pay his workers more? Yeah, exactly. What's the problem, guys? Yeah. All, all the time when you sign up for a job, you find out that it's not quite the job that you thought it was. He should have just been more upfront. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he should have provided softer mattresses and maybe made men wear condoms or, you know... I don't know, better lighting in the lighting studios or whatever. Or um, oh, I'm sure or, he was actually, I, I think the charges I have to do with OnlyFans though. I'm sure he was actually involved in
0: proper prostitution as well. My hunch. Well, okay. Interesting. But I mean, you can make as much money off digital pimping today. Yeah. But the left would say he shouldn't beat women apart from in a sexual context. You yes. can hit a woman in the face yeah. as long as your dick is in her. Yeah, But if your dick is outside her, that's domestic violence.
1: I remember I had this conversation um, about radical feminism with a woman I was in a Marxist group with, and she was like, oh, why are they against BDSM? It's all a sexual fantasy. And I was thinking, huh. And then when I just read, it's just so stupid, it required me reading Dworkin to realize this. It's like, it's not a fantasy at all. Those are real women hung up on meat hooks. Those are real women being shocked with cattle prods. Why is it all a fantasy or somehow unreal when it's women suffering? It's happening to real women. You can see them with their well, eyes. Did she
0: mean porn specifically, BDSM porn? No. Well, BDSM is obviously a practice that some people do in real life, so it's yeah. also not a fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my my. we should do a proper episode on this, but my theory about BDSM is that it's actually for people who are really disinterested in sex and they're not mm-hmm. excited by just being physically sexually intimate and you know physically close to someone that they fancy and so they need all of these massive dramatics yeah that, the idea that sex is only exciting if it's so dangerous there needs to be a helicopter nearby waiting to take you to safety or some crocodiles like snapping near the embankment where you're having <laughs> sex i mean i just think these people aren't into sex yeah why, why would you need all of this it's it's like needing like fireworks going like as part of this like no no no. sex is already very exciting (laughs) why does it have to be almost include things that aren't sex
1: well i just think it's like this alienation that comes from using pornography you become more alienated from sex as an actual act that is embodied or mutual or real and becomes less and less real there's this like bizarre alienation from one's own sexuality that happens and you stop stop thinking about sex as something that exists materially but exists only in the mind or only in fantasy and then you become le- kind of less and less sexual the, m- the further and more alienated you are
0: from yourself and from others it also becomes autoerotic. it becomes the, yeah it, it's it becomes, you masturbating to porn as a voyeur rather than thinking i would really like an encounter with someone else that's mutual yeah. and exciting. And if anything, I think that it gets to the point where that prospect is overwhelming because it's so different. Yeah. So one of the tests they have for whether men particularly are porn addicts is would you or have you ever cancelled a date that has the implicit prospect of real sex because you just thought, well, I can just stay in this evening and watch porn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is a more... um you don't have to bear the tension of ambiguity of whether or intimacy or
1: vulnerability. Exactly.
0: All All of those things are exciting precisely because they're a bit nerve wracking. Right. And that's just what excitation is. And when excitation becomes too much, it falls into being nervous or worried, but that's also part of the thrill is managing that. And then the ambivalence of the situation and yeah, the ambiguity of whether the other person fancies you and, whether you fancy them, that excitement becomes a prospect that can have a negative, of course, like people have been on bad dates or you like someone, they don't like you back. But all of those negative possibilities with porn are just gone in the moment, at least they think, because it's just a guaranteed orgasm.
1: And it's also just the opposite of connectedness. You are alone with your phone or with a laptop watching. Another person, usually, strangers, usually um, brutally dominate a woman. It's just, it's like when Gail Dine says, I don't believe people who would live in a connected, supportive society full of meaning would watch porn. Like you, like the, the fact that you can watch someone be brutalized. And have an orgasm is like a testament to the level of dehumanization that you yourself as a viewer is experiencing, as well as the people on screen.
0: Yeah. It's not something... Well, the fact it doesn't horrify you, though, I should say that most women I've spoken to were horrified the first time they saw porn. I was horrified. Yeah, yeah. I had to close the laptop because I was so afraid.
1: I think a lot of men, too. Okay. I think I've heard that from men. One man. I've had this conversation once, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay that shows men too some of
1: them well i think some of them were like literally 10
0: okay right you know yeah
1: but it's not something that you engage in like uh, individual people are engaging in if they're living in a healthy society it it promotes everything that is the opposite of sex and sexuality it promotes division subordination domination um alienation all these things that are the opposite being unable then to engage in a sex act well that's what i'm saying and then and then of course because it's everything that's the opposite of mutuality connectedness intimacy yeah you become unwilling to actually engage in the sex act well
0: that's why it's banned in societies that think about like china it's yeah. banned because they think about their future yeah and their prospects of the next generation and what kind of people they want to live in their society and that's also why they make sure that the tiktok algorithm isn't the same as the american algorithm apparently
1: chinese tiktok is all about how to do like cool things with like engineering
0: and then things in your community yeah 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 i imagine it's like cafe reviews or look at this cool thing that i built
1: or like study tips yeah. Or that sort of thing.
0: Because I, I don't even care so much about the meaningless like dance stuff on TikTok. It's the fact that there's so much pro-porn, mainly from quite young teenagers.
1: I saw pornography, like full-blown. Really? Hardcore pornography. I reported it and they took it down. But just as I was scrolling through quickly.
0: Wow. I think there's a lot. I haven't seen that yet, but apparently it's on Twitter and stuff too.
1: Oh no, Twitter is like a lot of it's porn. It's like one of the, It's one of the... Platforms that allows pornography. Oh, really? It's yeah. actually allowed. Oh, yeah. Twitter, like all the porn stars have Twitter. You can watch porn on Twitter. I've gotten porn on my feed on Twitter. Unfortunately, from certain
0: people that I've had to <sighs> block. I think as well this thing of the left. So Verso Books, for example, keeps publishing books promoting surrogacy. By Is a... that true? Yeah. Oh wow. by a straight woman. What's her name? Oh god, I've forgotten her name. I'll put it. I have to put it in the notes. Sophie something. Hmm. Anyway, it's a very normy name. Uh Sophie something and she is in a relationship with a trans woman. Interesting. And so it's just this full on I'm pretending to be queer or pretending to be gay. It's like you're not gay. Yeah, though. yeah, because yeah. But you can't just be a normal straight woman because that would be that the you know, everything has to be identity now. So you have to find a man who thinks he's a woman and then you can claim that you're not straight. Um but they they literally gave her like something like a 10 grand advance or something for this book on surrogacy that promotes it. But they are. This is the thing. They really, I worry so much. Even some of the politicians I like, like John McDonnell, the fact that he is pro-prostitution lets me just know, well, you're not interested. I don't I don't believe what you have to say about trade unions and working life because no. you want it that Brenda in the office, who you know has to make more money for her kids, say, has to go do a shift at the brothel the union brothel in the evening and get fucked by Gary in IT, who she then has to sheepishly see in the canteen the next day. The fact that you want this level of male domination, fuck you. Yeah. And I can't take you seriously about anything you say about workers' rights. Women are part of the workforce.
1: Well, it's also something that we used to talk about a lot with socialist values. Socialist values, like valuing humanity, valuing dignity, for all people. We don't want people working in factories 16 hours a day, you know, without any quality of life, that whole bread and roses thing. Mm. We want people to have sustenance. We also want people to enjoy life, to become fully human, to become actualized. I don't believe you have any of these values Uh. if you think women's bodies can be bought and sold and you think prostitution, being fucked by strangers day in, day out until your genitals bleed. I don't believe you. Oh, sorry, you don't want the the genitals to bleed. You want to, like, introduce anesthetic cream and try and have laws that force men to wear condoms. Good luck. Women can't make men wear condoms in their marriages, let alone in in, in an encounter with with a stranger who could, like, literally kill you. And they do kill you often, these men. I mean, I just don't believe you have any of these values. You have these values for men. Yeah. You have these values for men. You don't want to see men mistreated at the workplace. You want to see men have healthcare. You want to see men have housing. You want to have, but you don't care about women. You don't care about women at all. If this is the best you think some women can do, and it always comes down to the think some women are earmarked for this kind of treatment, and that oh maybe we can like reform it and put clean mattresses and cameras, and they can have um, this woman be penetrated by a stranger on like a plastic mat with a security guard at the door. How wonderful! Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting as well how much men know about every violation when it comes to themselves. Yes. there's a notorious serial rapist who is now he was an anarchist. Now he's around the Communist Party in the UK, and he's his house got raided at one point because he went to Syria to fight ISIS as part of his. I'm trying to rehabilitate myself on the left. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just a PR campaign, like you but know. That's, uh, anyway, anyway, this, is, this another that. that's another episode, <laughs> yeah. but um. Anyway, he did that to try to play hero and rehabilitate himself and and whatever. And he wrote this thing when his house got raided about every violation, how he was only half dressed, but they made him sit in his living room with underwear on and how it was humiliating, how he wasn't allowed to speak to his partner, how she was worried what was going on, how they then moved him from one chair to the other so they could search, you know, that chair or whatever. And, Every He knew about every imposition, every detail of you crossed my boundary or you did something I didn't want to do. Because when it comes to themselves, they regard themselves as fully human.
1: Yeah.
0: And they know, but when it comes to women, it just doesn't matter where you stick your dick, whether it's consensual or not, and so on.
1: Yeah. And yeah, the social factors that caused it. And I think that people in the UK... Um, need to be really wary about... Because it always comes together. Gender identity and this and this um, pro-prostitution stuff always, always, always come together. So it's around the corner. Mm. Well, starting with that Nadia Whit- Whitcomb. Is that her surname? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's really troubling.
0: Well, she is really an troubling. unofficial member of the Alliance Workers' Liberty, who are a third campus Trotsky's group who think that the Iraq War helped Iraqis, that the occupation of Ireland... Helped the Irish,
1: right? So, for people outside this milieu,
0: how do you even begin to explain what a third party, third camp, a third, is? A third camp is? There's an, an, a you know a, a government in the west, a government in the east, and there's oh, a third way. There's a third way, but and when that translates, is not so. It's not just neither Moscow nor New York, but international socialism. They take that to the point that well, say you know. The, uh, the Iraqi government understand Hussein, bad, bad man, very bad, therefore good that the U.S. goes in and overthrows him. And they have this idea that that will create space for the working class. Now we, we ran that experiment and you see that actually what happens if you bomb a country back to the Stone Age... It is re- It
1: returns to the Stone Age. Exactly.
0: And um, then you have forces like ISIS taking hold. And anybody, if you are invading... Yes, the Taliban will look attractive because the Taliban says, "I'll stand in front of you with a gun."
1: Well, if you're if no, I'll, I'll even go further. If you're an Afghan or were an Afghan during the occupation and you wanted to you wanted to defend your country about from being attacked and bombed and raided and destroyed, the only force you could join was the Taliban. Yeah. If you, if if that if you were like They've they bombed like my wedding. They killed my family. This is yeah. the this is the force that you had to join. Yeah.
0: This was all that. This but, was. But it. then you also. I'm talking about the populace having a sentiment of. Yeah. When our village was bombed and my friend's mother was killed. Yeah. The Taliban are ones the are fighting the force. Yeah. Good. I'm not yeah. going to shout at them when they walk down my street. Hello, I'm a liberal or I'm a socialist. It's like this just comes down to. Who Who is there as an so, option? So, yeah, like,
1: I think uh, the way it is for people who are involved in this milieu. So on foreign policy questions, the kind of dividing line in communist socialist spaces is people who who um, believe in in kind of self-determination for oppressed nations, which they take to mean that even if there is a government that we don't approve of, that's reactionary. That's a religious regime. That's whatever. It's not our right to go in and change that government. And in in fact, when the United States, Britain, Australia do that, it's for an imperialist end. It's not because they care about the people of Iraq or Syria or Somalia or Libya or whatever kind of umpteen governments that the U.S. has destroyed. It's because it's about opening up new markets for privatization, for increasing increasing military manufacturing in which is boost the gdp in these countries it's because capitalism has expanded and expanded and expanded to the point where it needs to become it needs to, the only way that it is sustained is through these imperialist projects which have humanitarian um which have humanitarian kind of justifications but aren't the other camp are people through whom nadia whitcomb is a part of where they go oh but uh these these governments are um are reactionary, they're bad, we need to fight for the liberation of all people. So invading these countries is the right thing to do. The
0: tension is we would agree as the non-insane left that we want the working class of those countries to overthrow their governments. But then when that looks like it's happening, sometimes it's actually external forces helping that happen and then it becomes imperialism in another way. Our scrutiny of that or our concern around that is real and I think that for the just the third campus weirdos that are I mean, so it's completely irrelevant, idea. they yeah. would always say, no, the working class is always good, whatever it does, even if it's helped by an imperialist agent. Right. And yeah. they don't seem to realise, well, let's look at the destruction of that. And they also have these racist ideas of, like, Ireland was backward until the British arrived and all it's this stuff. It's just
1: like, crazy. It's like the the opposing camp of what I was just describing, that, oh... We should overthrow these regimes for the sake of the people who live there. It's the camp, it's the section of that that is the most extreme that then go even further and say things like, oh, the occupation in Ireland is in fact a good thing.
0: But, the, but this is the thing that's crazy is that, um, you know, Nadia Whitcomb or whoever, is that when I've made this argument, say, it's usually about Judith Butler and I'll go, well, you know, Judith Butler... Um, Blah, 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 porn. They'll say, well, you know, she's not against free speech. Again, this idea that porn is speech. I don't like that McKinnon... I know why they did it, why McKinnon and Dworkin had to take it on on those terms, because Larry Flint was fighting in court on those terms. But again, this just Americanizes the whole thing. Action isn't speech. Fuck off. Anyway, and I said, well, you know, she's not for censorship, probably. I go, okay, so it's okay to have child porn on adverts at bus stops, say. Oh, no, she'd be against that. So she is for censorship. I'm for some forms of censorship. Yeah. This is crazy. I'm for some things um, having some legislation around. This doesn't make you like a mad authoritarian. This is insane. Authoritarianism is like in the UK, the fact that you're no longer allowed to protest without fucking permission. Yeah. If that was happening in China, which I'm pretty sure it, it is, but everyone points it out going, oh, authoritarian. Well, it's just a fake term. I just don't, I don't know what it means. Well, no been able
1: to explain to me what authoritarianism means. Okay. Sorry <laughs> to hop on my tank, but like, what does this mean? Yeah, states have authority.
0: Yeah. Legitimate and illegitimate often.
1: But I mean, what is more? So now instead of an authoritarian government, we just have an authoritative market. Wow, yeah, 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 so exactly. much better. In which I don't even get to vote. And which isn't transparent. Which isn't transparent, which doesn't have, which people don't have any say for. Where I live, where I work, what I do is entirely determined by the market. Basically.
0: And you don't get a, the majority do not get a great deal, even the global north, let me tell you.
1: Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what this word, word authority, I'm sorry to hop on my tank again, but like, I don't know what this word authoritarian means. I just think it's like a nonsense. Yeah, it is a nonsense. It's it's just like, well, this is like a George Orwell term who sold out all of his friends, socialist friends to. But the reason
0: I bring it up is because, as an example, I think it was last month, Ash Sarkar did an interview on a podcast and then she was cross that they edited it a bit. But the, my point is that part of the content was she said, oh, you know, uh, in, regarding China, I don't want to live under an authoritarian regime. Well, you do now. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, this is so strange. And not just in terms of the market, in terms of the state. Yeah, and
1: in terms this, of the state. You know,
0: you have to have a permit to do a protest. Try going to Trafalgar Square without one.
1: Yeah, or look at what happens to people who, like, whistleblow in this country on yeah. things. Like, it's 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 just a it's a nonsense.
0: Look for Rahman. Won yeah. an election. They took him to court. Um, the second time that they did so, they were successful. The guy's not allowed to vote. He wasn't allowed to vote for four, five years. So we don't really have democracy, even in the liberal sense, in my opinion. He wasn't allowed to vote for five years. They froze his bank account and they removed him as a solicitor. He's no longer had a solicitor's license.
1: I mean, when was the last time the British people elected their prime minister? I'd have to really think about that.
0: Oh, I maybe never.
1: No, no, no. But like how many prime ministers have you now had consecutively
0: oh, in I which see. there was no general election? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, few, it's a
1: fucking a monarchy for fuck's sake. The head of your state is not elected at
0: all. Well, you know, the monarchy did intervene in Australia regarding the general yeah. election when the, the Labour government was elected there in the 70s. Yeah. They were like, mm, no, no. Yeah, That's yeah. what people think might have happened if Corbyn had won, that the Queen, the queen would have said, mm, no. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go back to the topic. This is great content, but I do feel, I've become more and more sympathetic to this idea, you know, that and the Anna Katchin, whoever else, of the Red Scare milieu, I know they're saying it a bit to be cynical and cool and Brooklynites or whatever, but I do increasingly buy the idea that we live in a post-left, And that leftist ideas are very difficult to have traction in our society. And I increasingly feel doom-pilled, as the kids say on the internet. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't mean to be pessimistic, because I'm also aware that things happen unexpectedly. But... I think radical
1: feminism will grow um, as as an online kind of tendency. I do. I really do. I think when people... I think liberal feminism is dying a death. Women are really getting sick of it.
0: I think what will happen is that transgenderism will "quote unquote" be defeated in ten years. Everyone will—the people who were promoting it—will pretend they never did. Yeah, we'll all be saying, "We told you so." We're right. And but again, women's history is always often erased. That'll probably be sidelined, and it will no longer be a relevant question. That's what I mean. Therefore, because of that lack of antagonism, that's not how I think radical feminism will grow. I think it will grow through the things that we see in similar to South Korea, which is that increasingly women, because of lots of forces the market forces, um, ideological as well, realizing that you don't get a great deal from men and that that's more openly discussed now online, uh, certainly on the Female Dating Strategy podcast, this idea that, you know, be celibate if you can't get a great deal I think that that will become at least 50% of the female population, at which point radical feminist ideas don't seem so deranged.
1: Yeah, I I already see it happening. There's already more women on TikTok that are against prostitution and pornography. It's already happening now. It'll become more of an online uh, tendency. Who knows how it will, like, eventuate in the real world. But I, I think that liberal feminism is kind of like, Girl boss, like, crazy eye makeup, I love, I'm a queer, they, them. Like, people are just finding it cringy, and it's, yeah. it's dying a death. And, and women a... will either be trad, or they'll become radical feminists. I think there'll be a lot more traditionalism than yeah. radical feminism, but I do think it's coming to that.
0: Yeah, I think this idea of pretending to be a sexual athlete will yeah. be over the idea that the more you fuck, or, oh, I take loads of drugs, all these people. I mean, I may as well just say, Laurie Penny, this is somebody who i you should just
1: tell a lori penny story
0: well i don't know if i can but let's just this, this person's like pretty asexual
1: you know you you have I, been in the same social circles as lori penny yes
0: pretty asexual very very traditional normie woman anti drugs sexually very, conservative very yeah sexually conservative very introverted somebody very anxious pitching themselves. And, you know, she's, I'm using her as an archetype, pitching themselves as somebody who's really sexually kinky and into drugs and into being a partier or whatever. All of that is no longer cool. And I'm glad because a lot of it was just lies. It was people acting it's like so that. so
1: cringe and like so millennial.
0: Yeah, it's super really, millennial. really,
1: really, really embarrassing.
0: It's because the Gen um, Xs actually did do all the drugs and actually did do some, I think, fairly wild sexual shit. And the millennials were like, oh, we want to be like our big... Yeah. My big brother, or when you're a teenager, you looked up to people in their twenties, being like, oh look at these this representation of this on films. You know, there's entire film, I don't remember his name that I watched as a teenager. The whole thing was this guy traveling, and but it was sped up. And it was like it was like it was meant to be him traveling around Europe and just getting into orgies and dropping acid. And it was all just this idea that this is what you do, this is what you do. I remember thinking, "Am I abnormal that I don't take se- that I don't take drugs and I just have sex with my girlfriend?" Because if this the idea was like, "This is what you're meant to be doing." So many people, honestly, of my generation, pretended to be doing that in their twenties, yeah, and they weren't at yeah. all. A lot of women, again, often women like Laurie Penny have very high disgust thresholds. Mm. These are not people who put strangest genitals in their mouths.
1: No, and like everyone knows, it's like Gen Z's find it revolting. And like this idea of having fucks like a champion in your bio, it's like, oh, so cringe. Like, oh my God, just like get it away from me. Gen Z would find that repellent. And they're like, there's this group of millennials that are just hanging on to this sex positive thing. With like, it's just—it's so embarrassing. No one believes, first of all, that you are these people having this crazy sex, and like, it's just so cringe and so embarrassing.
0: Well, this is a thing as well that British people can barely talk about sex. Well, I don't understand. L- let alone pretend to be swinging from a lampshade. If you said to anybody at Navara Media, yeah. "So, do you come easily from head?" they would die of embarrassment. Yeah. And look I'm not saying that people should have these kind of conversations um you know these are <laughs> these are I am too british I am also very british. look I'm just saying that you can have conversations in private with people that you know very well I'm not pretending that we all shouldn't have boundaries but why pretend to be really sexually liberal because you think it's cool because your ideas are about a decade out of date yeah. when you're not like this at all no you're you're very you're very
1: traditional it's fine and then all the people who claim to be sexually traditional on the right are like disgusting <laughs> I mean, yeah. fetishists who love like all yeah. kinds of bizarre and insane like getting sexual, pissed on.
0: Or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: bizarre sexual practices.
0: Well, you know, I often find this though, even about feminists. I'm like, yeah, this sex critical feminist who I happen to know slept with like nearly half a dozen different women this year. But again. Who people are in public is sometimes a bit different to how they conduct themselves. And often people feel like they have a license to be different because they're like, well, look, this is what I think ideally. And I deviate from that a bit in my own personal I life. I not think,
1: like, Navarro Media knows that it's, like, cool for Gen Z to, like, join Opus Day. No, they don't. Like, they don't know that it's, like, cool to be, like, a Calvinist.
0: No, they don't.
1: But they Or like super religious Muslim or whatever it but is. But
0: this has always been the problem of the left and it's that it, they do not talk to anybody outside, outside their bubble. Yeah. I was so cast suspicion on because I always talk to people of other political tendencies yeah. and that I just had interests outside the left. And it's this idea that there's something wrong with you or you're going to split at some point or you're not really convinced. So the problem is they're in the bubble and they're just having the same conversations with the same people and they're also not consuming other content. i give an example. Environment Media has an interview with Ken Loach at Labour Party Conference, I don't know, 2017 or something. They titled it Interview with Ken Loach at Labour Party Conference 2017. They don't even know how to do clickbait because they don't consume anything other mm-hmm. than what's already there in the left, which is already um, a repetition within their bubble, of course you should ta- you should title that Ken Loach Exposed or like Ken Loach yeah. Admits whatever and then people will click to watch the whole thing and go, oh, he kind of said that, that was interesting or whatever.
1: That's a big baby. I think people wouldn't appreciate it. But you that. know what
0: I mean? There should be a way that you get people to click and that you don't need to have the most boring title in the world. Yeah, or you'd put it on TikTok and you do, like, cross-platform but, promotion. But, but like, the, the way that they're so bad at this, I remember yeah. it got to about 2018, and Navara Media had less subscribers on YouTube than Magdalene Burns, mm. and they'd been trying for about five years, and this woman at the time was dying of cancer, and she put a video out, like, once a month for the last few years, whereas yeah. they had people paying them, like, funders, like, paid subscribers. They had a studio. There was about 10 of them. Do they,
1: like, use that? Do they, like, produce things still? Yeah, I
0: think so. Oh. But, I mean, they have more subscribers now because it's been, like, 10 fucking years. But the fact that a woman terminally ill, putting out a video once yeah, a month, the brain bested cancer. them. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, how can you be this bad at this after 10 of you put all your efforts in and you have money and you really want this to pop off. Like, you're desperate. Like, Aaron Bastani said something in, like, some ridiculous interview in, like, 2015. He makes fun of it now. You know, like, he's, I think he's a bit self-aware, where he said, oh, with Navarra Media, I want officers all around the world. They want it to be big. It was, because- like,
1: there was definitely a boom of that sort of content of, like, talk show political content kind of, like, on YouTube. Like the Young Turks. Like the Young Turks. And, um... Few others, a few other American outfits, basically.
0: But it's just um, it, it represents. And look, I don't mean to shit on them too much because they're good on stuff that is yeah. To they're do with good women. on women, yeah. Obviously, when it comes to women, they're fucking terrible. But that's just the left. But my point is how, in spite of all efforts. How behind the left is now yeah. is incredible. And the idea that in the future, simply because our world is going to shit and young people have no prospects, we've always known that it's socialism v. barbarism, right? The idea that people will become radical and socialist because they're getting fucked, they won't. They just want to go back to feudalism because capitalism has failed them.
1: And also, I think the problem with the social democrats like Novara Media and others is that I think... On foreign policy, and I know everyone's eyes roll back to their head when you start talking about foreign policy because oh so boring, but like Gen Z really do know and think about like issues like the war in Ukraine, Yeah, um, are concerned about what's going on in Syria, are concerned about a cold war with China, and are clued into these issues, and many of them are critical of things like the war in Ukraine, and then you have the social Democrats basically having the same line as the Tory party. Yeah. So when you're, when there's so much political instability and it looks like the U S is losing its hegemony, um, losing control. We're moving towards a multipolar world really Thank goodness where we're not, it's not going to have the U S completely dominating every, every market um, demanding a country, follow every rule and edict and open up its open up its, Markets to private US investment and then starving everyone to death if they don't comply. It looks like that kind of regime is no longer going to continue. We're going to have a multipolar world with Russia and China um, and the BRICS system and all these things hopefully becoming um, more of a player. And I think that's for the best. I don't, and that doesn't mean to say that I think China and Russia are wonderful, but I don't think it's a good state of affairs to have one country completely dominate every interest. Yeah. Um, and I think young people know that they know that there's quite a lot of political instability and the social Democrats don't really have an answer to these questions because on, on Cuba, on China, on Ukraine, they have the same.
0: They still have the idea that by being critical of those, you're going to have clout. That's not true. Genuinely. Yeah. I, well, I don't, I do know some directly. And then I have friends with friends that are like 21 to 23, the average 21 to 23 year old has really critical politics about war, the economy, climate change, far more than the millennials did at the time. I mean,
1: they just pushed Ukraine too far with, you know, inviting Zelensky here and there and at the Oscars and everything. People are going to start going, um, and then if you're, if you're, and then sending billions of dollars during a massive cost of living crisis to fund a proxy war that has nothing to do with you over, a stretch of land that has nothing to do with you, of course people are going to be going, huh, what's this about? Yeah. And then to just have the left have the same politics as um, Rishi Sunak. Mm. You're not providing people with a critical analysis yeah. of anything. Not on, sexu- not on sexuality. And, and for those who think policy.
0: that Gen Z are maybe going to be radical because if capitalism's failed them, type into TikTok or Instagram... Reject modernity, embrace tradition. Yeah, it is huge.
1: Yeah, and a lot of them are like we're talking about this whole multipolar world thing. A lot of them are like very sympathetic to Putin, mm-hmm. and that's what happens when you don't have like a critical analysis of things. When you don't, you don't meet the challenge. When you just go, oh yeah, we're just gonna fall in line and have bog standard, Putin bad, China bad. They're all bad and they're bad because they're bad and we should send all our money to these people because Putin bad. When you just have that analysis,
0: well the idea that not you can compelling. you can convince a generation who are highly cynical and also yeah. highly knowledgeable often from the internet in terms of information. Yeah. Not necessarily analysis, the idea that you're just going to they're going to have the same take.
1: Mm. that you're
0: trying to force feed through the news no one watches the news especially not young people no so anyway i think that's been an hour so we should wrap it up this will probably conclude our series on what the fuck has happened to the left i mean, we could talk about it forever yeah you can dissect it forever but i hope people I enjoyed have... it and i'm interested in others opinions go on Sam. well i was gonna say like there's so much more i can even say
1: on the foreign policy question there's just so much we should
0: have a a full episode on the foreign policy thing so
1: yeah what we really want people to be mad at us when we talk about the ukraine but you know what things have turned the a corner yeah from last year or whenever it was when was it
0: also if people are mad at you get more listens so please hate share this podcast as much as you like Mm -hmm. so all right well thanks for listening toodaloo